everybody. Welcome to episode 266 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film and more. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. You never do the intro. Have you ever done an intro? I think you did one intro. I did intro. one intro when you were laughing too much or <laughs> 266 uh, episodes. Nobody um, wants to hear my voice first thing when they tune into this stupid show. Ditto. No one wants to hear mine either, yet here we are. Mm, they do. Making the sacrifices here. Um, so... There, God, there's so many things that we need to talk about that all kind of happened at the same time. So we're spreading it. We're spreading it thin. Uh Um, Also, of course, somebody's doing yard work. You probably can't hear it, but we can. It's really fun. Um, Stupid neighbors. It's what I miss the most about winter with recording. Mm. It's just the quiet. Yeah. I mean, I miss that at all times, honestly. I don't care what season it is. I like the quiet. I hate summer. Summer is loud and hot. Mm-hmm. Two of my least favorite things. Yeah. Um, so we um, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. We watched Oppenheimer, but we're going to kind of push that, give you a little bit more time to see it. But then also because we want to talk about like whatever events we go to as soon as we can. Um, and Oppenheimer can wait. So um, we are going to talk about Project Greenlight because we said we were going to. And we saw that a couple weeks back and... We've had to push it because of all the other things that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to talk about the Gray House at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, really want waiting to talk about that one, but you know, lots of things. There's lots of things. Um, so we just came off of uh, the uh, Peekskill Film Fest, so we were going to talk about that for a little bit, um, and then we'll go into Project Greenlight because that's kind of a doozy. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to like run time i'll make time all wonky and yeah so we'll start with timey wimey timey wimey we'll start with um the peak skill film fest so this was the 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 debut film fest debut for for in the gray Mm -hmm. um it's the first fest that it's played in um this was kind of a last minute for us we kind of threw it in right at the end of their uh their their deadline and um we gave them like an unpolished copy if you will well which they accepted yeah, um, right and uh you know that's a lot of festivals do that you could always ask yeah. some don't but most of them do especially if most there's some will, time if you have like a if you're so if you're submitting and you can send a cover letter um mm-hmm. then you can let them know like there's still color work or audio work i have to do or something i don't know yeah before we get into them though i do want to actually talk about um, this new trend going on with Film Fest, um, we're going to call this segment WTF. 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 So. And our we've we've submitted to a lot in our career. Yes, and, and um, been to this has been submitted, yeah, to a yeah. good amount as well, which is why I'm I'm kind of going into this because I've noticed the shift. So, the um the the way that this always worked was like okay, you know, you submitted your film. And then they went like, okay, it's either an early bird, it's the regular deadline, it's the late deadline. And then some people will be like, the late, the really, really, we mean it this time deadline. And it's like, well, that's just like when you make threats at a kid and you don't actually follow through. I mean, what is the actual deadline then? Can't have a late, late deadline. Hmm. That just, it just makes no point. There's no point to that. It makes no No. sense. Makes no point. Yeah, that too. Um, It's like a dead end that just kind of does go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not really quite a dead end if I can go somewhere else in there. Yeah. Just saying. 
It's um, like dead end with a question mark. Yeah. It's dead end unless you go through this guy's yard, you can make it to yeah. the other side. It's like, well, then yeah, I guess it's not. Um, so uh, a really, I'll just say a really annoying trend with Film Fest now has been that you used to submit and they'd go like, okay, here's our announcement date. So mark that in your calendars. Let's say our Film Fest is uh, the weekend of October 7th. I don't even know when that is. I'm just mm. throwing throwing that out there, let's say. All right, so it's the 7th and the 8th. Perfect. Wonderful. Okay, so you're going to have what we'll send out an announcement by August 3rd. And you're like, cool. Got it. Nice. Good deal. Um, not so much anymore. Now it's like, okay, submit your film. And it's not even like a, a late, late deadline. We're going to announce it August 3rd. Film Fest is August 8th. Yeah. And it's like, what the... F how would anybody plan for that? Like, do you want people to show up to this or not? I'm guessing no. Um, because if I'm traveling, yeah. I'm even just your job, because some of these fests also are starting during the week, especially yeah. stuff in the city, because <sighs> here's the thing as a former city girl. Okay. Here we did we shit during the week, yeah. right? Like up here where we are more in the sticky area, mm -hmm. sticks, sticks, not as in tacky. And not tacky as in tacky tacky, although some of it is. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, you did things. And here it's like if they're like the event is on Wednesday night, it's like Wednesday. I'm like, it was, why isn't it on the weekend? We got work and all that stuff. Like, well, it that's could be an not, age thing as well. Not necessarily. There's just not a lot of that here. Like, it's just you save stuff for the weekends, like Friday or even a Thursday because Thursday's like bar night. So, like, some stuff is on Thursday. Um, but in the city, that's not like as much of a issue, mm. you know, it's just like, yeah, sure. We'll do that on a Tuesday night and go to work the next morning. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, yes, I guess age does play into it, but you see people of all ages doing that also. It's just like this sort of way of life. Yeah. Um, but not everybody's in the city that submits. A lot of people aren't, they come from out of state or whatever. And you just have like jobs, you know, that to say our film fest is, two weeks or a week after we make the announcement that doesn't give nearly enough time for people to plan if they have to travel or get sitters or whatever the fuck it is that people do yeah um it's really crazy to me now if you're doing like a late late deadline and you get it like yeah i understand that like the all that does is push the announcement sooner but it shouldn't push the fest sooner yeah i don't understand why the fest itself is mere days or a week after the actual announcement. Mm -hmm. That's so strange. Plus, I always feel like by the time you get to the late deadline, the latest deadline, your you're chances, probably not getting in. Yeah, chances are because they're going to already kind of have a rough idea of the schedule. And especially if you have something that's pushing 15 minutes or more, um, that's going to be really hard for them to program if it's last minute stuff, unless it's amazing or whatever. Um, so. You know, it's not just... impossible, but it has to be it, it has to be good enough to kind of blow everyone else out of the water yeah. that um, whose spot you would be taking. So there is that whole thing. Um, again, not every film fest is a bunch of greedy bastards, but a lot of them are. And so we also tend to uh, steer away from late deadlines because I feel like that's a money grab. It's yeah. usually first of all, it's the most expensive submission that you're yeah. going to have, and you're you're less likely to get in your your the percentage of you the the the, the um, possibility of you getting in rather those percentages lower yeah. significantly when you're in a late late deadline. 
Um, so we usually try to get an early bird, not only for the price, which is lovely, um, but, you know, because you're kind of fresh in people's minds and you figure like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, they kind of start off with that. So you want to, I, I would wait um, for a, the following year if a late, late deadline is yeah kind of looming because it's just like, mm, I don't know. I mean, unless you really don't want to push it to the next year, then you just take the risk. But I, why would I pay $75 for you to watch something that you're probably not going to accept? Anyhow. Yeah. Um, so that's been like the kind of, I don't know, anybody out there who's running festivals, why are they doing this? Yeah. Me no likey. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it. It's just, it's really fucking bizarre. Um, so, yeah, that was just my tangent for that. I just don't understand that. WTF, guys, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, at least give us a month. Yeah. At least give us a month. And some do, but most. Some do, but there was, there was that, like, that so I don't thing. know. We submitted to maybe 20 festivals this year with this film. And I already, like three of them, the deadline of those 20 are are within a week of the announcement. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I guess, I guess we'll see what happens there. I mean, I don't know. I I was kind of, when I saw the first one, I was like, oh, that's bizarre. And then I saw another one and I was like, why? Mm -hmm. And another one popped up and I was like, not fan, not a fan of this trend. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so back to the Peace Go Film Festival. So um, as luck would have it. Of course, um, literally no one from the cast or crew was there. <laughs> just We're just getting used to it. We're usually like, I think every film fest practically, I think like a screener we had, like, you know, a tiny screener we had um, somebody show up for. But um, I don't I don't know that anyone really has ever shown up. I don't know what that says about working for us, I guess. But people work with us multiple times, so we can't be that bad. Yeah, well, right. it's just, you know, we work with a lot of people from the city and we're up here. So it's it's a tough trip. Plus, you know, well, um, two, some people are... Two of our actors are working in are working plays, in plays uh, yeah. unfortunately. So the timing just kind of like, it, it does what it does. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's, it's, it's tough because you can't like, you know, you're... <clears throat> And you're contracted to do these things in bigger budgets, right? You have to go to these junkets and you have to talk about the film and do all mm-hmm. these things. And that's mm-hmm. part of your doing the film. But on our level, on an indie level, people have their own shit to do. And so it's like, we can't really be like, you need to be there to represent. It's like, who, you know, especially if I'm not paying you. Yeah. So it's just like, all right. <laughs> so um, I get it. But it's just, it's so funny. It's like every time we go to a film fest, they're like, where's your cast and crew? We're like, yeah, that's it. You're yeah. looking at it. It's just us. Um, so, uh, but I will shout out uh, Jim Rubio from Break Rage in Yonkers, <clears throat> which was where we filmed our final scene in in the gray. He actually showed up. Drove, he, he drove up from Yonkers and, and like made a whole weekend out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and his girlfriend, whose name I don't remember right now. I'm the worst. I'm, I'm so bad with names. I'd know that girl's face anywhere if I saw her again. But <laughs> it's, it's almost like when somebody tells me their name as they're saying it, I've already forgotten it. Yeah, it just doesn't process. Yeah. I, I, cause like I go for the face. Mm. Like I look at someone's face and I'm like, boom, I know that face, and I'll, I'll remember them. Names are like I'm the worst with that. Yeah, um, but really sweet girl, and 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 we were so we were so happy to see them there. It was it was pretty cool. We ha- we we got some woos from them. Yeah. We appreciated some audience woos because you know other people had like people from their cast or like family or whatever, and yeah. they were like, whoa, we we're like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I kid. We're not bitter we at all. Woos. We got some woos, so that was nice. We always appreciate the woos, guys. 
Um, so again, this was at the Paramount Theater um, in Peekskill. Really nice theater. Um, probably one of the nicer theaters that we've yeah. had stuff screen at because usually it's very makeshift. Mm -hmm. um, or because we do shorts, we never make it into the theaters of whatever their locations yeah, are. It's in so a library somewhere. It's in a library or it's at like a cultural center or an yeah. arts center. And some of them are quite nice. The centers are mm -hmm. quite nice. Sure. Um, we've been to some janky ones. We've been to some lovely ones. But the, the actual movie theaters that they'll work with in the area, they reserve those for the features yeah usually <clears throat> which like let's talk about that for a second how about you just put the shorts blocks in there like oh well it's a feature so it's it's long form mm -hmm. like well so is a bunch of shorts yeah you know so like can we get a theater yeah <laughs> can, can we World does there? that they're pretty good with that they put everything in theaters yeah yeah but i mean like a lot of the smaller ones that because yeah. with a lot of film fest they'll have multiple locations so you have like this location where this block is here and then you literally have to drive like a mile to the next location and this one's in, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's all within like probably a three or four mile radius, yeah. but in different areas. Um, and it's always like, you know, we're like, let, let me guess, we're not in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> they never put their shorts in the theaters. A few do. Queen's World does that, which is cool because that's what they'll do. Well, what Queen's World does is like they'll put a short and then block it in with a feature. Yeah. Which is nice. Or maybe they do blocks of shorts, but ours was uh, have been sandwiched in with a feature, sort of like a um, a pre-show, if you will. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, and so that's what's really cool about uh, with Peekskill is like, you know, everybody's in the theater. It's not like yeah, our it was your like thing. built like in the 30s or something in the theater. I don't remember. I didn't look. It it's was, very pretty. Yeah. It's very pretty. And actually, the seats are quite comfortable. There's a good amount of room, mm -hmm. like leg, more comfortable than AMC. I'll say that. <laughs> like when you're not the in regular, the recliner yeah. seats, I'd rather sit in those chairs than the ones at AMC. Like you actually had room. Yeah. Um. So it was it was uh, really cool. We went out for both nights because our animation resource full was on Friday night and then in the gray was on Saturday night. And um, there was a feature also Friday night, and then um, the uh, festival runner, Christopher Fox, his feature was Saturday night. So um, late nights for us. Yes. For us old people. Yeah. What um, are we, 30? I'm saying. I'm saying. Crazy. And there were like after parties and stuff, and like we had so much shit to do the next day. I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to function mm. if we go. 20 years ago, no problem. Mm -hmm. Even 15 years ago. When closing the bar down, you could have caught me even maybe thirteen years ago, and and I would have, I would have survived that. But now I'm like, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna be completely useless the next day if I'm if I'm going strong till like one a.m. or yeah. something. I can't do it. Um, but uh, it was a nice it was a nice turnout. It would sometimes get a little scary because in the beginning it was like people would show up a little late, and so initially we were like, oh shit, there's no one here. And then they'd start, like, as the lights go down, you see, like, more and more heads popping up. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's people here. Um, Friday night, uh, just kind of comedic uh, aspect of, of, of it's not the first time it's happened. It's just, like, this thing that happens um, where, like, we were supposed to do a and a afterwards and everyone just bolted from the audience. It was just like, yeah, we're out. And yeah. uh, they were like, you guys want to come up? And we were like hovering over our seat and then everyone was leaving we were like yeah no one's staying for this yeah. um this has happened a couple of times people just kind of leave right afterwards yeah. and i think that when you're a filmmaker you kind of and and actually i can't say that because several filmmakers did get up and leave as well but there's just sort of this unspoken rule 
uh, that you kind of stick around for, you know, just like you just should do that unless you really have something to do. Uh, I get that. But, um, you know, there have been times where we're just like exhausted and it's just like, well, we're not going to just like up and leave because, you know, everybody worked on their thing and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like nice to stick around a little bit. Um, So that was kind of funny. It was just like and also we saw um, we had seen Guys and Dolls, uh, uh, the um, it was a community theater, our local theater here, uh, Brewster Theater. And one of our actors from Integrate. And Chris Gillespie, he was in it. And uh, also some of my acting students were in it as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to go see them. And um, it's like nobody did it this time. But I've been to like when they do the one act, um, people will come to see the play of the person they know and then just like straight up leave. Yeah. get up in the middle of the next performance and just like it, the place starts emptying out and i'm yeah. like really guys like do you really don't have like another 30 minutes in your schedule to just kind of sit yeah. through and and maybe watch somebody else? oh that kind of drives me nuts i want to i want to have like a fly swatter everybody that stands up and be like excuse me excuse <laughs> me that's rude bounce the door like no, no one leaves. sit down <laughs> sit your ass down um yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I have to also say that uh, we, uh, so we, uh, our colorist for In the Gray. Yeah, Alastair Arnold. Um, yeah, he, um, it, it was, it was a, it was a decision um, that we went back and forth on. And uh, look, like, I, it's, I already knew the guy was going to give us beautiful work. Already knew that. But for us, it was more of a budget thing. Yeah. You know, we had already sort of exhausted our finances. So this was very much an out of pocket thing. And so when we went back and forth and you were like, uh, I think we should just get a colorist. And I was like, Ugh. you know, the the issue with Film Fest is that it's really hard to sort of level out a projector to benefit everybody's film. Yeah. Right. Because um, there are moments where you look at something and you go, is that the projector or is that the film? Yeah. But then. If there's scenes, if there's another scene in a film that should be blown out and isn't, it's the film. Or vice versa. Right. That isn't, yeah. Right. But if you're seeing that it's switching, yeah. it can't be one thing, right? You can't, it, yeah. it's not, it's not you the You can projector. tell by the second or third film that you're like, well, everything is, everything, you know, uh, on the higher, on the on the brighter end of, of this image is, is, everything seems to be blown out or or whatever, then you, you, you can kind of judge yeah. Well, so since that happens so often, I'm sort of reluctant to really drop a lot of money into grading because it's going to look like everything's going to look better on a monitor or on a television at home. It's going to look great, you know, mm-hmm. um, way better than a projector. I don't care how much your projector costs. It, it would look nicer on a newer, better projector, but it's never going to look as crisp as your TV screen yeah. or your monitor. But you don't I mean, those. You know, you're not going to get some 4K Christie's projector like in. No, nobody's going to have that. So that's why it's like when it when we do this and it's like, well, yes, we want it to look great, obviously. But if you're if a projector is trash, you could do a great job and it's still going to look like trash. You know, it'll look like less trash than maybe somebody else's because you had a colorist, but it's still going to look like crap because it's the projector. And you don't know what you're getting when you go to a film festival. You have no idea what they're going to be using. So I'm always a little reluctant and I was very reluctant this time around because we were like done with funds. I was like, yeah. fuck, <laughs> this is going to be a lot. 
Um, and it's worth every penny, but, you know, it's just still something you have to consider. Um, well, but it, it that... still, it looked, it was the best looking thing we've had in a film festival, I will say, grading wise. Mm. Um, it looked very good. It, there's always a, a quality that's lost via projector, always. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, I was surprised because, you know, also the cook lenses help, you know, all that stuff together. Just, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we had to drop some coin and having cook lenses and having you know really experienced great colorists was really helpful and gave us uh, a, a nicer image one of the nicer images that we've had in in a festival yeah just a nice balanced image and and to me that's what's you know um outside of the 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 artistic as aspect that a colorist would bring it's just the technical aspect that they bring and leveling out the image nothing no, nothing was brighter or darker than the you know what i mean like it just was a nice clean leveled image and um projected well and that was just the it wasn't even a dcp it was like a prores file so um yeah so that was i don't know it was like nice to see that kind of work yeah. out that way yeah and so um well now we'll get we'll have we'll start this segment film festival segment we'll call this segment don't do that okay okay um when attending a film festival don't attend if you're going to be on your phone. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Why would you do that? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there was like, so the, the, our film uh, just, uh, it just so happened to be our film was the last film in the block. And so by then people started piling in. And so there were like moments where you're just like hearing everybody outside. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck, can people even hear this? Um, I think it was okay. But so Friday night, we were sitting back. What 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 is like? It's not really the projection booth, but it's like the audio, the yeah, mixer it the, booth. It was the sound booth, yeah. Like the sound booth, like the, I was gonna say, like the mixer booth. We were sitting in the row right against that, like in the back. And in on Friday, there was a guy that we're gonna call Sheldon, who was sitting in the <laughs> row in front of us, like a couple seats over to our left, and um, he was on his phone a couple times. Like it was a little bit annoying, but not too bad. And then on Saturday, same dude showed up in the same scene. So we we're like, oh, that's his chair like that. Okay, Sheldon, yeah. like relax, you know. So like that was his chair. And so we sat in our seats just because they were empty. I mean, who were we to talk because we had our seats as well. So we're sitting there and um, we actually moved over a little bit. And he sat right in front of us because he Sheldoned his way. And he was like, yeah, this is my chair. So we're like, all right, fuck it. So we moved back over <laughs> to the right so we wouldn't have yeah. someone right in front of us with all these empty seats that... You know, so that's like neither here nor there. We're getting through it. Another guy sits on our row in the end, like two seats away from me. And Sheldon, through the entire block, keeps lifting up his phone and texting, texting yeah. and and has the screen on like Grandpa Bright. Yeah. I mean, neon. And so it's really obvious because it's dark in there. It's a theater. And so it's like every time he would lift his phone, you were like blinded by that. And he just kept doing it, like didn't even have the the decency to like lower it. It was like he was just on his phone, like, yeah, fuck, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, you know, this is probably not the place for me to punch somebody in the back of the head. I'll probably never be able to come back here and I'll get arrested. So I'm going to refrain from doing that. But I very much wanted to just plow him into the back of the head with my fist. And then homeboy to the right of me decides that ringers are cool yeah. 
Um, we well, like I ringtones. I don't think it was so much ringers were cool as like, how the fuck do you turn this guy? No, there's no off? way. There's no way that you have a phone and you don't know how to shut the fucking ringer off. There's no way this guy didn't know how to shut the ringer off. He just didn't give a shit. Um, and you know what? It happens sometimes. And, you know, you like you can see or hear a person have the, the oh shit moment mm -hmm. where they fumble to shut their phone off. Zero urgency. In fact, he was just letting it go. Yeah. The first time it happened, he just let it go. And then like people were kind of turning around and then he finally took his phone out of his pocket and it's and stopped it, read something, put his phone back in his pocket. It did it again, like 20 seconds later. Homeboy just let it go again, just letting his phone go. Then he was just on his phone, <laughs> like just on his phone because you could see the light just. And so we had Sheldon in front of us. I had Cowboy Dan to the right of us. Mm -hmm. I was just like, let's move. Yeah, We have to move. I was like, because I'm getting frustrated and I'm going to start fighting soon. And I'm going to get kicked out of this place. So we got up. And uh, just to be a dick, I sat right in front of Sheldon because I was like, fuck you. Yeah. And uh, he left. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, uh, he was so annoyed, I guess, by the fact that I sat right in front of him uh, that he just booked it. And I was like, all right, well, I wanted to say you're welcome to whoever was sitting behind him because now you don't have to look at his screen. Oh, yeah. um, but the guy to the right just continued to do it. And then like a couple people during films like took calls. Like started yeah. taking the call as they were getting up out of their seat. It's like you just let that go and you call them back and you go into the lobby. Yeah. You don't pick up the phone in the middle of, of the film and then like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Blah, 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 blah. It's like the Lord is testing There's me no, today. This is why we don't go to movies. <laughs> this is why I don't go to movies. Yeah, yeah. because it's this, like people's movie theater etiquette, yeah. if you will, is non-existent. Yeah. It's in peril. I don't know what I, I just don't. And, you know, my my knee jerk reaction is to punch you in the head, you know, so I, I just like it's just better for me not to go out. Um, and so that was pretty frustrating. And of course, none of this behavior was coming from the filmmakers because they don't dare. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so that that's our segment of like if you're attending film festivals, WTF. Don't go if you're just not interested in watching the movies. If like a text thread is more important, just go do that. Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, like, go do that. Yeah, I'll never understand people that do that. It's, it's like, it's like they're watching it at home where you can just text and stuff. It's like this isn't. You're outside in the real world now, so it's time to. <laughs> I need you to put your big boy pants yeah, on. <laughs> it's time to act like a grown up. And I say this as someone who's addicted to their phone, and I don't even. There's a time and a place, guys. Like you have to let it go. Yeah. You have to let it go. I don't know if it was a coincidence that everybody that was annoying about that were guys. Yeah. Like everyone who picked the, the two people were took calls, and then Sheldon, and then Cowboy Dan over there. I was just like, guys, what like what is going on here? Yeah. Is there like a weird testosterone block at Film Fest? Is something happening? Like what's what's going on? Um, but uh, you know. Despite all that, it, it, it went fine and we were able to, you know, watch the movies. But it's just uh, it, it's really grating when you have to deal with uh, people's icky behavior yeah. with that. Because it's, a, you know, it's a lot of work to run a film festival and get all this shit done. And so yeah. it's just like, why why would you come if you don't really care to pay attention to anything? Yeah, I'll um, never understand that. Yeah, so... Um, that was uh, that was Friday and Saturday, and um, hopefully we'll have something for 
uh, for next year. Um, maybe bot our animation will finally mm -hmm. make it. I don't know. I don't know, I guys. Don't know. I don't know. I'm staying positive. We're staying positive, but um. But yeah, I mean the overall like uh, Peak Skills, a it's a good festival. They have this amazing venue. Yeah. Obviously, and um, they seem to like they're all kind of filmmakers themselves, so they 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 come at it from that perspective mm -hmm. versus it being like some kind of business or something. So yeah, um, the cash grab is is there's no shortage of that. So it's kind of hard to find people that are actually, um, you know, running a film festival for the sake of running a film festival. Mm. And it's, it's, it's quite, sadly, it's quite rare. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that you get, I think, you know, Mystic Film Festival, Coney Island Film Festival, you kind of get that feel. Queens World, they, they mm. seem to be in it for the films. But a lot of others that we go to, uh, it's, mm, you know, we've gone and been like, all right, this was yeah. just basically a cash grab for submissions and stuff. Or it's just a place for you and your friends to showcase your shit and then nobody else really fucking matters. And that yeah. that's just as bad. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, if you if you get a chance or you're in the area, you know, check them out next year. Um, I know they also work with the library. I think their proceeds go to the Peekskill Library, so they're yeah. very much like it's community based. Yeah. So that's pretty cool as well. I've noticed that about a lot of the the better film fests is that they're very active in the community. Yeah. You know, and so that's always a good sign to see. Yeah, a story of film fest too that was in a theater that was yeah. nice as well. Um, yeah. I forgot to say that 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 one too. So hopefully, you know, we can. But get we'll something be reporting in there. on some of them. If if you don't hear us talking a lot about a film festival, then it's probably not great. <laughs> Listen, let's. We'll just put it this way. Um, so, Paul and I function very differently, in that um, he feels compelled to be nice to people. If somebody says, hey, I liked your movie, then he reciprocates that. And he goes like, hey, your movie was great. I know I, I, I physically don't possess the ability to do that. I feel really saccharine and I feel like they could see through me mm -hmm. when I say something I don't mean. So if somebody says to me, hey, your movie was great, I go, oh, my God, thank you so much. Yeah. And then I find a way to bolt hey, I really have to urinate immediately and I will leave that conversation because I don't know how to be like, I liked yours, the part with the acting and the when you had that scene with the room and it had a door. Mm -hmm. And then I, like I'm, I'm on the spot trying to find things to say if I didn't enjoy their film. So I'm just like, I don't... I say what I'm. I, I I say it without saying it. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, if I don't say anything, because... then that's how you know. I just I just avoid it because I don't. I I I, I can't handle that on the spot thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like fuck. They're gonna know I'm lying, because um, we did that to somebody. We were like, hey, and I never expected. I see. I never expected in return. No, so no. we walked up to somebody and we were like, oh hey, you know your movie was re was really good. Really enjoyed it. And you can see where they're like. Hey, yours was good too, and you knew that they didn't know what the fuck movie we had made. Uh, yeah. And then they were like, "Wait, which was?" They're like, "Oh, it was the last one." Like, "Oh yeah, good uh, story." You know, and it's like, "Yeah, you don't have to do that." That's yeah, like, yeah. I, I I came over just to say well, I liked your movie. You don't, you don't have know, to say you like mine. You don't know people's um, because we're big on like you know good constructive feedback. You know, we 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 love that, and you know, we both feel very much that you know propping somebody's ego up isn't going to benefit anything at all but in situations like this it's kind of unavoidable because you don't know someone's temperament if someone were to say hey i, I liked your film and we're like well your film was a, a little 
you know, and you start breaking it down for them. Did you, you have any lights on your set? I'm just yeah. curious. Have you ever used a light yeah. on your set? And it's nice <laughs> That's as... what you want to say. You want to say like, hey, um, was your sound person having a seizure through the whole movie or no? Is that yeah. just, did you want to do that? Or, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, um, you can't do that at a film festival. And yeah. also nobody's there for criticisms. You're just no. there to showcase your work, right? right? You're not there for criticism. So I'm not going to say so that's, that's, that's something negative, but I can't say something positive if there wasn't when, anything. It's, it's when people seek you out and come up to you and say, hey, I, I like un, you know, unprovoked comes up to you and says, hey, I liked your film and blah, blah, blah. That's when you know there's a little bit more genuine, uh, um, you know, it's a little more genuine in that regard, which we had. We had a couple of people that seek this out and... and um, sought us? Sought us Is out. it sought us? Seek. Saw sawdust? No, not sawdust. <laughs> sought us. Sought us out. Sought um, us to say to seat. say good job and blah blah, which is always writer. appreciated, you know. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, but it's like when you when you're in a, a conversation. Um, I hate those. I, I hate. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Like I that yeah that's the thing. Like with some people, you could see them waiting. For mm -hmm. you to say, I liked your movie too. And so I guess like my advice is like, don't expect that. Yeah. Right. Like if you're going to walk up to somebody and say, I really liked your movie, like just leave it at that. But like you don't have to have that recognition and that acceptance. Mm -hmm. I never expect it. I would rather you not say it than be like, oh, yeah, I liked your movie. So like you don't. That's fine. You don't like you could not like my movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not okay everybody with that. is like us. Most people, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people are are strictly go to these film festivals to get their ego stroked and and um they don't want to hear anything critical they want you to just say how amazing their movie was and, and move on and i don't i don't really feel like um it's worth it to, to to just play that game and just be like yeah your film is great too and then you move on like it's not it, it, you're not nobody is really open for it's not really a a a, a place that you're gonna sit down and break break down someone's no, film. No, absolutely you know? not. Yeah, that's not what you're so, there for. Um, it's just a lot easier to say, yeah, your film was great too, and blah blah. I know, but I just I can't. I don't know. My brain shuts off. I'm just like, find something, yeah. find some, find something, find something, say something. And I'm like, I uh, I have to go. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm good with I'm good with talking when it, when it's genuine, but like otherwise, I'm just like, I don't know what to say here. I don't know what to mm. do. Um. Anyway, we've. Uh, this is gonna be a long episode because we got a lot to talk about with Project Greenlight, so we're gonna we're gonna move on to that. Um, so we were, um, we were like pretty uh, hesitant, not hesitant, but I guess we weren't as excited to go into Project Greenlight because I feel like they've been kind of magoo. I love watching this stuff. Like, I like Project watching Greenlight, it, but the chair, the chair, I like. You know, like uh, I like stuff. Uh, I feel. Devil, the, the, uh, uh, it was out for a little the, bit. The Robert Rodriguez series. Yeah, it was out for Rebel a little bit. A crew. It was out for a little bit before we went into it because uh, the last season of it, which was a long ass time ago, by the way. Also, I don't know yeah. why we're doing like seven years between seasons or whatever it yeah. is, but um, it it just like that dude turned me off so much. Oh my god, that was I was just worst. like, I don't know if I even care to do this again. <laughs> like. I don't know if the formula's changed. I hope it has because this is just like, ugh. Um, but hi, welcome to the film community. Yeah. For every cool person you meet, you're going to meet 12 that you want to punch in the dick. Yeah. So, and it's usually a dick. Let's just be honest. Yeah. So, um, 
we we kind of went into this one with a little bit of uh, like you know, we, we were waiting. We were waiting for for I the was last one. I cautiously think. optimistic. Yes, <laughs> to say the least. Because I love anything that brings me behind the scenes of making. For sure, yeah. Uh, but I just absolutely hated the the last the last one. So this season, uh, this season was Project Greenlight: A New Generation, and uh, the the hosts were Issa Rae, uh, Kumail Nanjani, uh, Miko Winbush was uh, the the filmmaker that they chose, um, Gina Prince, um, By the Wood. Uh, uh, God, what were the other what were their names? What were those other two those other two women? The producers for, um, I don't see them. I don't see them, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember their names. Uh, so, yeah, the the oh, this was this was a kind of a frustrating season. This was there's a lot to go into here. Okay. So because I can't remember everybody's name and everything wasn't listed properly on IMDb. Um, I, I don't know the names of those other the other two women that were working together. Mm -hmm. They were producers for uh -huh. who who do you remember? Yeah, it was for the, the so there was a so it was there was a couple different production companies. You had HBO or Max or whatever uh, as like the main thing. It was on HBO, so that that was our main thing. But there was two other production companies. You sounded like a Jordy, a whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Searlight. Was that one of them? I, I could be so. completely making that up. And so there was basically two other production companies that were more hands-on with, with the process. You had Issa Rae's company, mm -hmm. and then you had another company. Um, so it was like, like it was. I had to kind of like wrap my head around who's with what company and what role they played in everything. So we'll, so we'll go like this, and I hate to say it this way, but there were the two older women, and then there were the two younger women Okay. that were working sort of together and then well the two the two Issa younger women Rae, also had a guy so there was the three yes of them. yes but he wasn't there as much it was no. mostly those two women but so yeah. i'll say there was the trio that was mostly the duo that were on the younger side and then um there were the two women that were a little older they were from another section and then you had the you had Issa ray and i don't know what kumail's like I mean, he was hosting, but I don't know. He was producing as well. I think he had, I don't know. It was very confusing. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where it's like you have a thousand people to answer to. And even as an outsider, I don't know what the fuck was going on. There were so many fingers in the pot that I was mm -hmm. losing. I was, I was losing touch on, on who was on whose side and, and why. Um, and then, yes, of course, during this whole thing, you have, uh, HBO recording the entire thing and documenting it. Yeah. So there's just a lot of chaos. Um, so we'll go into the beginning section of this when they started going through the contestants. And I'll just say that thank God that that girl who did like the rap videos or whatever, I don't know who she was. I think she was from Brooklyn or something. The most annoying fucking person I've ever. She was so grating. I just wanted to like punch myself in the face and then drown myself afterwards. It was. I was like, if they pick this girl, there's no way I'm making it through the show because well, yeah, we should say too that that was one of the um, uh, uh, I don't know prerequisites or whatever is they were going to actually select a female yes uh, director <clears throat> because they had never picked a female they had never before. picked a female before so I was like, okay, bunch of ladies, that's cool, love that, mm -hmm. but the ego on this girl was like everything I hate about this business just 
encased in one person. It mm. was like that is God. And, and I, I was like, there's no way they're going to pick her because even on uh, this isn't a reality show in terms of like ratings and insanity right if this was like big brother they'd pick that bitch right because they're like she's gonna fucking make everybody crazy we love that but they still have a movie to make here yeah, yeah. um and i know the fact that i call women bitches will upset people i call myself a bitch just deal with it I, you know this is who dudes are bitches I mean, dudes are bitch yeah. everybody's a fucking bitch so <laughs> i don't care uh but um I just I couldn't with her and I was like there's no way that they're gonna be able to work with this girl no way mm -hmm. no way and they know that so mm -hmm. I was like I know they're not gonna pick her I mean they they kind of annoyed us with her in the start you could see them also <laughs> they were yeah. like had to interact with her they're like oh god I was like okay so it's not just they had me. made a comment about it too yeah yeah I was like it's not just me uh so uh everybody so basically what they did was they 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 had their films that got them in to the into consideration yeah right so and then, yeah you would submit a I, don't, I think it, i don't think it was a specific thing they had to make to submit um I think no you just because people had comedies people had different yeah, things yeah. and that's how you know uh so which is like every time i watch one of these i'm like when was this like thing announced you know like i had no idea same with the chair same with no uh, idea. Robert rodriguez's show like, I'm like i don't know We're... who you have like you have to be following the right person yeah. obviously with everything to know when these things get uh dropped out into the public because i would have totally submitted i wouldn't have made it but i would have submitted Probably on some site that real filmmakers use that yeah. we don't <laughs> something <laughs> um and so then once you got into that consideration you were all given the same script to create a sort of proof of concept yeah for five this minute, feature like you basically had to shoot a scene from it yeah basically yeah. and the same scene yeah so it was you know let's get your take and your perception on on what you think this would be and blah 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 and they won kind of honest take on it and um so the the ones that i like the most i no no shock were uh miko's and uh the other girl the girl with the curly hair mm. the mom whatever the one that had oh, the baby yeah. uh i i would have been happy with either one of those two i thought yeah, like, or the um there was another girl that was um or woman i should say that was um that i thought would have brought a lot of emotion to it i don't remember who it was but the younger was, girl oh, yeah yeah i think she was maybe hispanic or something yeah she she was also she was i think they good. were there was there was sort of like a trio that they yeah. were kind of going back and forth with yeah. and it was these three women so no surprise that it was those three i thought they had the stronger of the of the conceptual films mm -hmm. um i was kind of rooting for miko because she was uh sort of awkward and like bumping into things and i was like yeah that'd be me like i just yeah um and so this is a very you can watch this you could have two very different uh, perceptions of what happened here, depending well, on what side you're watching it from. Yeah, and 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 it's nearly impossible to judge anything based on, you know, what is what is shown to you because it's you know you're editing months of mm -hmm. IRL into you know whatever it is seven hours of of programming in which you have to then consider um, people's time span uh, uh attention span and mm -hmm. you have to consider like building an arc to the story of this person who's thrown into the deep end of this whole thing and so um it's really tricky to kind of judge anything based on that for us at least for me i watch it more to see <clears throat> the process that they go through and um that to me is always very interesting to see how somebody 
seemingly from our level or mm-hmm. whatever that how they would handle being in that kind of situation and again this is based on what is shown to us and so i don't assume that they're go- going to show th- it's not it's not in their vested interest to show us like for salation for just to be salacious to show them messing up all the time or whatever you want to show this person succeeding so i have to assume that this would show them in a better light or at least a, a fair light mm-hmm. um you know and not making them look bad just well to, we'll get to we'll get into all the stuff. details of, of yeah. that so um you know we'll start with the fact that uh from the jump i think what made uh, Miko appealing was that she didn't really come in with much of an ego I guess you know mm-hmm. and she just seemed like a everyday kind of person she's you very know? reserved you know she's really quiet. reserved and she seemed pretty humble about stuff yeah. you know and so she wasn't really like uh she wasn't chasing fame right <clears throat> I guess yeah for sure. and so uh, where is that other girl that really annoying girl just wanted oh my god oh uh I'll just I have to let it go so <laughs> so um, so when Miko came on, there was just this, join us next week when she's yeah. uh, there. There was just this, you know, this this kind of realness about her, and I was just like, all right, this this should be interesting. Like I I was kind of rooting for. Her. I was excited when they picked her. Um, if you're watching this from a production standpoint, if you're watching this from the standpoint of the producers and from the studios, um, I understand. I 100% understand that there is an urgency. Yeah. To a lot of things. And if you're not experienced with working on a big set, which we have worked on bigger sets, but not huge sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're working on a bigger set like that, things just work differently. And there's no uh, we, we sort of learned that there wasn't a coincidence to when we would work with actors, uh, union actors that had worked on very big sets that would come to work for us and say, hey, it was really great working with you guys. And we're like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, how could we be great? We don't know, you know, we're yeah. down here. And then we would, you know, I would go on bigger sets or whatever and be like, oh, this is a disaster. Um, because there's just, there's, uh, like I said, so many fingers in the pot. Mm-hmm. Nobody seems to know what the fuck's going on. You have, it, it's like the more people you have, the more disorganized everything yeah. is. And so um, there's always this chaos with stuff like this. Also, you're talking about a film that only had 18 days to shoot, which is not a very long time for a feature, yeah, no. for a feature at all. Now, we could shoot a feature in 18 days if we had that many people, 100%. But we also have kind of more experience in, in making this kind of stuff. So we would probably not struggle as much. Well, I think, well... But we would still, it's, it's the- still just like you need to... You know, it's not a lot of time. It's not well, a lot of time. If right. somebody doesn't have experience, they don't know what you want from them. And I feel like that was a lot of what happened here. Not only that, but I feel like from watching all of these shows and a lot of other shows, I feel like a lot of the adjustment doesn't come to just working on a bigger crew because it's it's literally no different. There's just more people, right? It's You're dealing with the same issues. You're dealing with, you know, locations and, and lighting and, and, and time, you know, time restraints mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But... A lot of it is learning to work within the system, within the studio system, when you're dealing with unions and you're dealing with rules of the union. And not that they're bad, but a lot of times you don't know what those are, and you're used to working in a, in a in a manner in which you can you have a smaller crew, so you're much more nimble and you can do things faster, and you don't have to whatever. And so sometimes 
um, when you're working on a bigger crew and a bigger it's a much bigger machine and so mm -hmm. to get one thing d done or changed sets stuff in motion that is gonna take a lot longer than it would when it's just you and you know a smaller crew um so that adjustment is always kind of fascinating to me and to kind of see how they adjust to working within the system like that in which you know everything has to be much more planned out and and uh, every decision you make sets in motion kind of like a much bigger uh, series of events, you know, and so it's yeah. it's it's tricky. I know that, you know, if we were ever either lucky or unlucky enough to, to make <laughs> to make a, a film within the system like that, I know that would definitely be one of our bigger hurdles is learning um, learning the 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 rules of how things work when you're dealing with unions and you're dealing with very different um, very different how things work because you and can't also, just you can't just say you can't just go over there grab a light and move it right there's a whole team of people that do that and then there's a procedure that have for that, to do so, it yeah, not that even that do, do it, it right. that have to do it that are um, contra that contractually have to do it that you right. can't do it um so yeah so that and and again it's not like good or bad i'm just saying like it's just something you have to kind of get yeah. used to and I think it's also it's also sort of an unfair example, because if this opportunity is ever given to you right outside of HBO, outside of Project Greenlight, rather, um, it's not being given to you with a documentary documentary crew in tow. Right. right. You'd be making the film and not having to worry about that shit over there. So it's like, you you know, it's like you piled this amount of crap on and then you piled another 10 pounds of crap on top of that by having the documentary which is going to be difficult so um in in trying to remember i i think the two women that we're referring to were part of Issa ray's hooray right wasn't that hooray yeah so those two women that were there that did there was the guy that was with them too but he wasn't there a lot he was mostly indoors i, I don't think he does out, outdoor work yeah. <laughs> like he was like he it was, was indoors set, he was, was but like he was mostly in the indoor yeah, scenes. Yeah. Like he wasn't like in the outdoor scenes. I don't but know again, why he could have been. He could have. That's what I was, I was just about to say. Like I don't know editing day, wise you know? who was really there. Yeah. We just see what they show us. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, that like, look, I reached out to Mika Wimbush. Of course, I haven't heard from her. I don't expect to. Uh, but, you know, hey, you shoot your shot. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to say that she uh, she doesn't really get along with those two women very well or or the dude i guess um I, I think at the very least there's a personality clash they're not really people that jive mm -hmm. if you will if you will and that was pretty evident there um we'll we'll just take it from one side to another like i said from a production standpoint i understand the importance of like hey we need to have this done, this done, this done, this done. You may not be used to this, right? Because you're used to use, working on your own schedule, on your own film and all that stuff. You can and, take your time. Like yeah. that's not how this works. And I 100% uh, respect that. What I didn't understand was why they seem to be tiptoeing around. Again, maybe this is editing. We say all of this um, with the understanding that we are judging this based on what we were shown, not yeah. on what may have happened. But right. from what they showed us, at no point did they sit her down and go, <laughs> check this shit out. You need to have a, a decision made, your your tweaks made by tomorrow. I needed those yesterday. Mm -hmm. All right. They would just go like, all right, so you're working on it, right? And it's like, why are you guys doing that? You're. It's like this open-ended kind of conversation yeah. where there is no there are no stakes are being set down for her so she doesn't know 
how important something is or how soon you need that. You just kind of, they just kind of kept going like, what's really disappointing that she didn't give us what we wanted. It's like, but you also did not like reiterate the importance of yeah. having this by a certain or seemingly, time. Right, seemingly. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, again, I, I said we're having this conversation based on what we saw. So yeah. you just have to keep that in mind. I right. just didn't because feel the, like they were being honest with her on what was expected from well, her. The, it was it was twofold the way that it appeared, right? And and I I you know us being in doing what we do, we we understand that there's way more involved than in that. But the way that it's portrayed as if they were asking her to to get these things done, you have two weeks and you haven't adjusted this, you fixed the script or whatever, and then it just it just made her look like. She didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine a world in which she didn't care. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Well, so, there, she did. She I've read an article with her after the fact. And she does touch on the fact that she didn't really appreciate the editing. Yeah. Making it seem as if she did not care about her right. project. And um, I can't imagine that somebody that would go through all the trouble that she did to get there would all of a sudden just be like, oh, I don't care. We're just going to make whatever. Right. Um, so but it's tricky because. It's also tricky because you're dealing with somebody else's script right off the bat. And it's presented to you as if, here's the script. It's not good. Fix it. Okay, so let's just get into this because this was also part of the interview. Um, I, I think she did an interview with, it, it might have been Variety. I think it was mm -hmm. Variety or something like that where I read it. Um, so and that happens. I'm not saying that that was does, necessarily wrong on the face of it. but not to that extent. So yeah. let's just get into that, right? Her understanding was that they were handing her a script, right? Because they said to everybody, here's the conceptual script for the scene that you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. And then so the idea is that you're going to make this into a feature. Anybody in their right mind would assume that if a studio is handing that to me, they have a script that's like 95% ready to go. There's always tweaks to be made in a script. Mm -hmm. Also on set, you have to change things or there's, you know, you go over stuff and you're like, eh, maybe this, maybe that. And the, the director generally does have the right to do that, right? They In the studio, they can tweak things. But especially as a newcomer, you would assume that they would be like, I think this is it, for Project Greenlight. This would be the time that you're like, we need this script basically at 100 percent. We're giving the director leeway to make changes if they choose to. But we're handing them a solid script. Right. They well, didn't do that. They, they handed that her they, like a partially sort of kind of finished mm -hmm. script. And then they were like, here, fix that. Yeah, because they, they had said to her that one of the reasons we brought you on is because you're a writer director. So we wanted someone who can kind of dive in to that. And even if that wasn't the case, they. But you can't give somebody 18 days or whatever yeah. to shoot something and. And, and well, they, they, whatever amount how, of time to fix it, it wasn't a lot of time. Yeah, I don't know how how much time the writer had to write it, or if it's something that he had written a while ago that they had just you know owned because a lot of times studios will just buy scripts to have them for the future or whatever. So I don't know really. They may have touched on it, but I don't remember the backstory to the script itself and how that got there or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, she did have access to the to the writer, which is. It, probably not something that happens very often, which is which is great. Well, you have um, access to them, but well-known directors usually don't give a shit about what the writer thinks. Sure. Uh, on on this level, I understand having the writer there, but I thought I felt like it was a pretty obvious setup. It seemed like a way to to sort of shoot yourself in the foot on HBO standpoint to be like, hey, we need this to be a success. We're gonna hand you a barely there script, make that work. It's like, why would you do that? 
This is somebody who, first of all, Project Greenlight's not about coming on as a writer. It's about coming on as a director. You are finding a female director who happened to have a writing background, a a background in writing, but she was there to direct. So how am I supposed to focus on what I'm supposed to be doing as a director if I'm now having to rewrite the script, essentially rewrite the script because there were a lot of holes and shit that needed to be changed. So I thought it was incredibly irresponsible on HBO's part to hand her the script in that condition and then expect her to not only maneuver her way around a world that she's not familiar with but have to start fixing the script yeah it was a lot to take on all it while didn't being seem fair all being documented in the process yeah it didn't stuff. seem fair at all and you're being documented i i can understand the frustration i think you know they kind of like really harped on the whole like that sounds like a you problem which i admit like when she said that we were like oh yeah. <laughs> like because we, but we don't, but it's we don't know context, what led you to right? that. Yeah, yeah. Don't I don't know what led her to that because I was getting frustrated with the production and I wasn't even in it. So I can imagine for her, it was probably really overwhelming. Um, yeah, it's like for people that don't understand, it's there's a vast difference between budgeted sets and micro budget sets. Mm-hmm. This whole like camaraderie that you have, everybody's working together, that shit does not fucking exist on those sets. It's a business. Independent film, real independent film is about filmmaking. It's about those relationships and all mm-hmm. that shit. HBO is a business. Yeah, They're in the business of making films. Mm-hmm. But that camaraderie and all of that shit is goes straight out the window. It is second to the business. And so it's a very different experience when you go from a really personal set to going into corporate mm-hmm. and having the corporate, you know, because... It was like uh, it reminded me of like, you know, those the, like those corporate lunches, the way they would talk like, so, yay, yay, ha, ha, we're going to do all this. Like, shut the fuck up. Just tell me what I need. You know what I mean? Like, just take the corporate crap out of it and the lingo and I don't need all of that. Yeah. Just save me that jargon and just tell me what it is that I need. And that was really frustrating me on that part, on their part. It's like every time they would have a conversation with her, I'm like, at no point they would wait until she left the room. To say what they should have said to her face. Yeah. And it was like, why are you... They would wait to say it to the camera. And they would wait to say it to each other. And it's like, well, she was just there. So she yet again, she's left this meeting not really knowing what the deadline is and what exactly you're expecting from her. Just that you need something done. That they'd say something really vague like, we need more. Yeah. Of what? Yeah. <laughs> like tell her what you need yeah. more of get another person in there that's a, another thing i didn't understand it's like if she and the writer are struggling by the time they had those other writers come in it was already like starting to become too late it was like you should have done that shit from the beginning when you knew that you handed her a script that needed to be finished and also it's too many people right you get you have i don't remember the amount but let's say you have six people sitting around they're all going to have a different opinion of where the story goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just... always wondering that, like, because, you know, we, we watched the movie, but I was wondering, like, what did the first round of the script feel like? Because if it's like, if you have producers coming to you saying, like, look, this mother-daughter relationship isn't quite working yet, mm. um, but maybe it is to you, or maybe, you know, the, the issues with it are different than what you think they are, but it's a very subjective thing. It's hard to, it's hard for, for but... You know, again, we don't know, you know, we weren't there for, you know, 95% of what happened. And so we don't know what conversations were had and what was actually said in a meeting. Um, for, so, but the way it was edited made it seem like 
that they did tiptoe around the thing and, and not really uh, kind of um, uh, relay the severity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't get it. I mean, it's like, it's it's much more, produ- in my opinion, it's much more productive for me if someone comes to me and says, look, you got to have this done tomorrow. And yeah, if you don't, I need- it's a big <laughs> problem. Lay down the stakes. Like, don't dance around it. I need to yeah. know exactly what my timeline is so I know what like what gear I need to be in at this point. Yeah. Um, and they may have, you know, but we don't know. But so. we didn't see it, maybe. I don't know. I just, like, I, I understood. It's really tough to, like. I understood and, their frust- frustrations. I understood her frustrations. Um, I understood hers more than I did theirs just because we're in her position. And what I had said from the beginning was, like, if this opportunity, if I, if by some miracle I had been chosen for this, I would have gone into corporate mode 100%. I think one of the biggest issues going into this, not knowing what what a, 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 a corporation, a production company is like, is thinking that you're going to have the micro set mentality and that's not going to yeah. be there. I would know to go in going, I'm probably going to hate the story. It's never going to be the way I wanted it. It's I would write it completely different. It's not going to be cast the way that I want. They're going to make it seem like I have a choice. I fucking don't. And I'm just going to have to roll with it. I'm doing this to get my foot in the door, to get my name out there. But I am going to take my whole entire ego and every artistic fucking grain and cell in my body and I'm going to shelf it. For this project, well, I because I would, because I know I, there's nothing about there, what I want that they're going to make. Yeah, they they already I, know what movie they want to make. Mm-hmm. And if by some miracle there's similarities, that would just be that would just be a similar, you know, that would just be like a one off. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. my input is not the final input. It's the illusion that there are well-known directors a-list directors that have to fight for their vision still. Now, they get a lot more leeway than most people, right? Because they've earned that in. You know, we've seen the box office. We know what you can do. But even then, they have to fight for shit, right? Because the studio's like, yeah, we don't really want that. They put their foot down. The director puts their foot down. Then it becomes a tug of war. Ultimately, the people that control the money get the final say. So I'm not walking into that film excited for my creative juices to be seen on screen Mm -hmm. i understand that i'm hired to make this movie so i would go into corporate mode what does hbo want to see that's where i have to put my vision on what hbo wants to see i can say hey i think this would be nice i think this would be good as a director i would really like to see this but when they shoot it down okay (laughs) like if you're not prepared for that that's that's a shot to the to the gut, right? Because you're like, wait a minute, I thought I was the director. They don't seem to care about what I want. No, they don't care about what you want. They're going to give you the illusion of choice, okay? And you may make a suggestion that they like. It's always possible. But when they shoot what you want down, you gotta just move on. Well, that's what I was gonna say is that there's a there's a I deal with this every day, but on a much smaller scale. Um, you know, there's a balance that you have to learn especially when you're a director for hire if someone's bringing you on as a as someone who they want they want you to write the script they want to make your vision a reality and you have a lot more leeway but in a situation like this when you're a director for hire you have to have the balance of fighting for your your creative choices and your vision but then also realizing that there is the business side of it and that 
people you're not this isn't your film necessarily like you're not funding this so you have to be able to fight for what you want Mm -hmm. and let them know this is really what i want i'm not happy about this other decision or whatever Mm -hmm. but then you also have to be like all right this is what we're gonna this is what we're this is what we're using this is what we're doing and we're gonna make the best of it so there's a there's a balance there and and um i don't like i deal with it every day like i said on a much smaller scale but so i have I, I've been able to adjust my mentality to that. So for me, there, there, look, there is, you know, there is this thing where like, no, you have to really fight, fight for what you want, and it's like, yeah, but, but to what end, you know, and to what, like, how, how much can you really fight? Because, you know, there, there was, a, there was a, a situation when they wanted to bring on the actor, right, the, the, the lead. I was gonna get into that, you know, and so what happened was, or what seemingly happened was, she kind of was maybe leaning towards another person for the lead she was totally leaning towards another person and 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 she even said like i would be happy with this other person but this is the person that i want and so then there was this back and forth between the studio wanted this person she wanted this person uh or someone else and um and it's like yeah you have a voice but then she like would have had to write a letter to the studio saying why she wanted this person and it's like how much do i really have it, any input and they're like yes matter. you do and it's like at some point you have to be able to like i feel like that was 100 percent for the cameras they gave her the illusion of choice again for the cameras for the show, but they already knew who they were picking. Mm-hmm. Write a letter, all that stuff. Like that was all bullshit. She never had a chance. And I'm just gonna come out and say it that I feel like the second I saw the option that the options that she had, so she was like, "It's between these two actors." I said, "They're gonna go for the girl who's lighter skinned." Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's 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 touching into you know the 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 progression of diversity right in in hollywood it's very slow paced and they're gonna look at it as like look we have a black director we have a black female director slow your roll Mm -hmm. okay we don't want like too many people we don't want you to be like too black in this movie we need to make sure that everybody's mixed because in hollywood mixed has become black Right. There's no difference to the to the high ups to higher ups and to the executives. They don't seem to understand that. Like, yes, that is a form of representation for a person of color, but many black people don't have lighter complexions. Yeah. Right. And so, no one else in the movie, no one in the movie had a darker complexion. Everybody had a lighter complexion. So then it's like you try to start creating like this race war within entertainment where it's like what represents representation well is this a fair representation well people look different they come in all different skin tones Mm and everybody had a similar skin tone that was a person of color in the movie and i already knew they were not going to pick that other actress she had a darker skin tone she didn't look mixed and you know they're both beautiful girls but i already know how hollywood works i'm like and also this girl did moana or whatever she you know so they were like they're gonna pick her she has more, uh, you know, I guess more of a name, if you will. But it's just like I already knew it. Like as soon as the two of them, they're like, they're going to pick that girl. They're going to pick the girl that's mixed because that's what that's just what they do. It fits the formula. Mm-hmm. And there's a long way to go. And so it's certainly a progression. But then there's just sort of like this plateau where we've hit where it's like, I feel like these executives are in, in their minds genuinely think that this represents everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, we... They're not completely white. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I see what you've done there. Uh, that's yeah. great. But also, there are other people. Uh, for instance, look at the director. You know what I mean? Like, there's people of different skin tones with different hair and different features. And, like, that's that's diversity is having more of that. 
Um, and so I already knew where they were going to go with that. And I was like, this poor guy, she has no idea. They're making it seem like she has a choice. And I knew 100% the second I saw the girl that they went with, I was like, that other girl doesn't have a shot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's all camera. That's all camera play, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, let's just make the audience makes it seem like, yeah, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. I already know what you're going to do. Um, the whole thing with taking the mic off to speak to her actors, um, I get it. I get where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. It's a documentary. Yeah. You can't do it. Like, yeah. it, you know, when she did it, I was, and she said why she did it. I was like, yeah, I get it. And I, there's probably, I probably would have wanted to take those mic mics and shove them down everybody's throats by the end yeah. of that. Like, I totally, totally understand being frustrated and wanting to have that moment where you're not being recorded. But this is what you agreed to. This is yeah. what you signed up for. It's going to be annoying. And I think that there, that this again kind of falls on HBO for not like vetting people enough. How much experience do you have on set? And so then I start to wonder like, is this their picking the crazy character way of getting ratings by picking somebody who doesn't have experience on a bigger set because they know they're gonna crash and being able to document that. What a great show it's gonna be to watch this person seem like they don't give a shit about what they're doing because but they I don't understand things. But that's, you're kind of shooting yourself in the I, foot with yes, the series. Yes, I yeah. agree. But at the same time, it makes, look, we're sitting here arguing about it, right? Yeah. Did she really care? Because it seems like she didn't. Where I think if they had actually been fair about that and said either we pick somebody who may have some, I mean, the whole idea is to pick somebody and, and create that director. Yeah. Right. So I think it's really, really asinine for them to bring them in. Maybe they did, but it didn't seem like they, like they did bring them in and explain in detail what is expected of them. them she was kind of, yeah, yeah, she was like a, a like a fish out of water. Yeah. It's like they just dumped her in when we're like, let's go. It's like she doesn't know what to do, guys. She has no idea what to do. Yeah. And you're not really explaining it in a way that's realistic. Like you're doing the whole corporate schmoozy bullshit, but you're not being real with what's about to happen. How little 18 days is. Mm -hmm. And what is going to, uh, and, and then the stress of having a documentary on top of that, that's a lot to do to somebody. And I don't feel like they prepped her for that. Hmm. I don't feel like they prepped her for that. And I feel like the Project Greenlight from whatever, 10 years ago, I feel like that guy got away with way more shit. Oh, yeah. Way more shit. First of all, filming on fucking film. Yeah. How was that not, how was their foot not put down? Like, dude, we're not doing this on film. Yeah. That's the complete waste of money. Yeah. So this movie, uh, her movie, uh, was it Gray? Gray Matter. Gray Matter was a $5 million budget. Three. We hear, f it was five. Three. I saw five on several things. No, oh, I could have sworn I heard three a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win this argument? Um, so. Oh, three, 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 three. Um, like, we hear five million dollars three million dollars whatever, whatever yeah. you i'm like i can make movies for the rest of my life off that yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean that, that but again you're working in the system the studio system and there's right. going to be things that cost a shit ton of money that there's no way for you to really know i mean they didn't really get into much of the budget side of it which would have been interesting for me to see you know mm -hmm. like how you know where the, everything went yeah where where all the money went and how do you I'm always fascinated by that. Like, what is it that costs $3 million? Like, what in 18 days, how do you spend $3 million in 18 days? 
you know, it seems like a lot. Cranes. To <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot. I was going to say, it seems like a lot to us, but there's a lot of people. They all have to get paid pretty mm-hmm. well. And so. Um, and they're all union. And they're all union. And so um, I can see that adding up fast, but I would just love to see that. You know, nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, I don't think the, the audience wants to. The breakdown go, of yeah, it. the audience no, doesn't want to sit and see an itemized yeah. list of what everything costs. And it's not on that set. I don't feel like they spent the money; they obviously did. But I, I, I'm for me, it's just interesting to see those numbers are only exciting to us because yeah. we'll never see money like that. So I if I see an itemized film budget and production budget, and it's like, here's how much one seventy thousand dollars for the crane <laughs> shot. Yeah, like, we could just go off for hours. You have to rent the crane, and then you have to rent like three operators, and then one driver, and you know, so yeah. it's like all this stuff adds up super fucking quick. But I, I I'm interested because I'm a nerd. I'm interested to see, you know, uh, exactly what those numbers are. I guess when I get accepted to the show, I'll. Yes, I'll know that's that, when that'll happen. Yeah. yeah, that's when that'll happen. Yeah, and um, watch, you know, watching a show about uh, an itemized production <laughs> yeah. budget is only just exciting shit. Yeah. <laughs> to people like us because yeah. we're just like. Ooh, what's it like to have forty thousand dollars for craft? Because you know services? they went through the whole thing. You know they they showed some of her selecting some of the crew with like the production designer and, uh, but they didn't show like her picking like a first AD. They showed her. You know she had worked with this DP before, so, um, you know. Well, there was the 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 set designer the, yeah, fiasco. The designer, yeah, yeah, there was that fiasco. Um, so another thing there, like when that started, when that happened, we were like. Why would he apply for something that he knew was a documentary yeah. if he didn't want to be on camera? And I always like find that weird. Like I get it. Some people just don't want to be on camera, but it's like. But then don't apply for an HP for like, Project yeah, Greenlight. I feel like if you do, if you you either know that this is going to be, a, you, or you, I shouldn't say you know, you either feel like this is going to be a bad movie and you don't want to be involved in it, or you like. I would feel like if I was that, if I was a production designer or any role. Um, this is a great opportunity to get exposure, right? Especially if you do your job well. So I don't see why you would be opposed to Well, and this is the best film. kind of exposure because it's not exposure on our level where, oh, you'll get exposure, but you're not getting paid. It's like you're getting paid and you're getting exposure. Right. It seems like a win-win. Um, yeah. So his... his I'd be talking to the camera all the time. His Well, that's because you're a big fucking ham. So, yeah. you know. Well, just to promote my business, you know, like, hey, yeah, I'm doing this thing and there's a scene. 100% what the... HBO wants to hear is you I talking know. about Send 3 Productions for the 400th time <laughs> on set. Yeah, that's exactly what they want to hear. Good yeah. job, buddy. <laughs> but the production designer they did go with, she had... She, I felt, she had more she, experience. I think she... I think she I think she played the part well as well. Like her production design was good. But and she was also, calm as shit. That's and, what I liked and, and about her. And she was like talking about how, you know, I do this. I don't mind being on cameras. I like to teach people sort of stuff. And then seeing they did talk to her throughout the course of production. And mm-hmm. so I feel like just by watching her, I feel like she knows what she's doing, regardless honestly, of what the film looked like. So honestly, I think if I you like that was... comparatively going back, going back to it, he seemed... I don't think that he would have brought the calm that that set designer would have brought on because there were moments like where things were very chaotic and she was like, okay, so we're going to do this next. Yeah. And, you know, like she had, she's seen it all at the, I think yeah. at that point. And so there is, th- this is, this is the irony of like, everything's a young person's world. It's like, there's a lot to having experience. This woman had experience. She wasn't frazzled by what happened on set. Cause she's seen it already. I'm sure, you know? And so she was like, all right, it's this shit again. And she knew kind of how to like bring it. You you need you need a mom on set, right? You need somebody who's just like everyone, calm the fuck down. Yeah. And this we'll set get through this. One hundred percent needed that. I think that should be a position. 
they should make set mom set mom positions yeah. okay and the set or mom dad. sits there and 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 just like is able to go through the chaos from one room to another who needs a hug for instance her first ad needed a hug <laughs> that dude needed all kinds of hugs because he was like high strung doesn't even explain I mean, look, how we he appeared on camera that's one of the most intense positions on a set. it's a very it, intense position the there's AD. not nearly enough uh respect for first ad's uh it's crazy i i will often say you know your your first your first ad is doing more than the director from my experience on on sets has been from the directors the, like yeah when, when we're when we're going from cut to action that person's the one that's running around making sure getting and yeah. wrangling all yeah. the actors what's going next this is the scene bah, 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 get this person here you know it's a really it's an intense job but again maybe it was just the editing but that dude just seemed to whine through. I mean, like, would you like some cheese with that wine? It was constant. And I was like, my dude, you kind of seem like a nightmare to work with. And I don't know if that's a fair representation with what editing has done. Yeah. But it's so far, I would never want to work with that guy because he was like yelling at people. Yeah. Well, I found it kind of funny because, you know, there was the... the the, there was so there was this tension that started building between the crew that was making the film and yes. the crew that was documenting the yes. making of the film and so um i found it interesting that like so the first the first ad was a perfect example of like um someone like if if there is now there's this tension between there but but ultimately the crew that is filming it has free reign to edit however they want so mm -hmm. they can make him look as horrible maybe he was an awesome person who the hell knows you maybe know? that's why um, i'm saying it, it the way editing was making him look it, it didn't seem like a like like a good look yeah. and, and also like but the, but there was i mean it was documented and there was meetings about it but you know there was definitely tension between the two crews and it's like how like everybody knows what's happening going in yeah. Everybody knows what Project Greenlight is, especially in that world. And so like... But if you you've know, never experienced it, maybe you're thinking it's going to go one way and then yeah. you're in it. And you're like, oh, this isn't what like, I thought it was going to be. An example is like there was this one scene they were filming and they basically like kicked the documentary crew out. And the first AD was like, no, I you can't be there. Like we need the route, like whatever. And as a first AD, you need to be like, all right, well, we need to accommodate that. So that's part of the that's part of the situation you're in now. You know, that's so what I'm you saying. Have to make he, that work he didn't now. seem to to work well under like intense pressure, which is kind of because weird because that's kind they, of your job as a first AD. Yeah. So they the way that again the way that was edited it made it seem like at a certain point they didn't care about the documentary thing. They just wanted to make a great film, which I can respect, hundred percent. But that's not. That's not, but you're only on this set because of that documentary yeah. crew. That's where and part of the reason you that you even are be able to work with this budget is that you agreed to is be able to, to, to do that. Exactly. And, and yes, there are going to be situations where it sucks because you want to get personal with your actors and you don't want the, everything to be recorded. And they may hold stuff back, and that's that's fine. But you have to be able to. I'm work like, around can't you that. text it? Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're Can you no, just like they, mime it or something? Or, write it down. Yeah. Just like put it in a notebook and just be like, here's what I'm like. Oh, okay. Just text like just text to each other if there's something that you don't want the camera. Let me let me just let me just say right off the bat where uh an opportunity like this would be both a blessing and a curse. A blessing for a person who has a filter, a curse for a person who doesn't, which is me. I hot mic, I would have forgotten a hundred times that I was miked 
and been talking shit about that entire fucking situation and they would have fired me. I because the it, it, you think like when you watch these documentaries, right? And you go, how did this person not like they just said that? You forget. Mm-hmm. When you're wearing a lav, you don't remember you have that fucking thing on. You yeah. know, you start to get used to the pack Especially being like clipped by to you. day 10. Like, yeah, you're and, in the and, heat and of on it. these sets, it's not like us where, like, the packs, when you don't have a lot of them, the pack is massive. These packs have gotten very small. They clip on. You may not yeah. even feel it, right? You don't realize you've been mic'd for days on end. You're not even remembering that you, that, that, that everything you say is being recorded. Yeah. I would have been talking so much shit about HBO. They would have never worked with me again because uh-huh. I would have been like, I hate this fucking place and everyone in it and i hate this fucking show and i should have never done this and it would have it would have been a disaster so that's what i'm saying like going in you have to just be like this is okay so we we kind of do have to move on we said this was going to be a long episode because this is essentially two shows there was just there was talking about project Greenlight as a show and then there was talking about the movie so we're going to go into the movie um but i just wanted to kind of wrap up in that like you know again everything we say is just based on what we were shown maybe the first ad is a great guy and he's great to work with but the way it was edited all i heard was him complaining about the set complaining about what a clusterfuck it was how this was like one of the worst sets he's ever worked on and it's like ah that's probably stuff you shouldn't say uh on camera like and and that you can't really chalk up to editing because you said that yeah you just shouldn't even say that yeah you know yeah don't say things like that to the documentary crew that's driving with you in the car yeah they're probably going to use power to edit whatever they want yeah don't do that and also don't treat those people like shit because uh just be nice for the kind of need to be a good person because they seem to get along in the end when everything worked out you know like towards the end they were like they turned the cameras on on them and then suddenly the documentary crew was like oh shit this is really like invasive and and annoying and it's like yeah this is also part of why we say it's so important for everyone on set to understand what the other person does i think it's important for every actor to have to run sound I think it's important for you to understand what that person needs from you when it's really easy to say like, well, this is how I work. Okay. Well, this is how I work. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to work together, I can't have you moving in and out because I'm going to lose the sound here. Hold this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go chew my gum 17 feet away. Tell me what you hear. Yeah. You're going to hear it and it's going to be fucking annoying. Right? Yeah. So when we say quiet on set, we mean it. Cause when you start doing and yeah. you're not no you don't know that because I, people 100 percent underestimate when we've had actors put the headphones on and they're like holy shit yeah 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 it's annoying <laughs> yeah. and so th- th- it's it's respecting everybody's job and everybody's position on set and you really can't do that if you're like this is your world and this is my world and our worlds don't collide you know, we can't yeah. join each other's world. Like, no, you really should. You should know what this other person has to go to and how annoying it is to have a camera in their face for everything when they normally wouldn't because this is how they got the budget. And yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So you have to learn how to work together. And I think expecting that for like six months is one thing, but it's like 18 days. Yeah. You guys couldn't get along for 18 days. Well, they're thrown into like, I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Come right? on, because guys. It's like you're thrown right into the thick of this thing. And I think yeah. the biggest, I think the biggest problem with movie sets in my opinion is that there's no time so they budget for everything but they don't budget for like you know budget a couple extra days so that your days budget a meet and greet 
well, some, just, I just think something like, where everybody sort of just they they decide to know. tighten their budget by 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 making less days, which obviously yes. But then if you were to budget more days, so the days aren't as intense, you're going to get better performances. You're going to get better. You're going to have a better uh, working environment and all that stuff. And so I feel like everything's become so like chaotic because everything's being squeezed. Every the timing is so compressed for everything, and it it doesn't do anything. Uh, you know, there's. I think there's better. There's better places to cut costs than the days that you're shooting. You know, and like you know, we we always kind of tend to to schedule more days than we need. Yeah. Um, our last two bigger films we have, and so it's you know it's because that is so important to to have. You know, you don't want like how good is someone going to be in their 14th hour of work, regardless of your position. Well, that the, this you know is a mean? reason why we have union uh, yeah. rules and and all but that. Still, stuff. Still, it's but... not like, but it doesn't do it. Like they had a situation no. where they had to run over lunch, and now they had to pay more, and it's like okay, you're well, paying more, that, but you're still you not feeding your crew. Yeah, they're running over. They're hungry. Yeah. Like that's something that shouldn't happen, regardless. That that doesn't happen on our set. Yeah, uh, I we have to rethink shit. But there's no way I'm saying to everybody like, oh hey, we're four hours past lunch, deal with it. Yeah, nope. Yeah, because I'm not getting a good performance out of it. I'm not giving a good performance yeah. even behind or in front of the camera because I'm fucking starving. Yeah, every you know, so. every set that I've, especially the bigger ones, that you know we watch a lot of these shows and a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and every set is barely making whatever it is. It doesn't yes. matter if it's it's, it's, a, it's the Avengers or if it's some indie film somewhere. They're barely making the their days. The most disheartening thing about watching these types of shows is seeing what you get for that amount of money. Now, we'll get into our review of the film. I look at these things and I go, $3 million, $5 million, whatever it is. Because at, at $3, million, $3 million, dollars, million, what's five? It, it is? I don't know. I saw an article, the I believe the Variety article uh-huh. with her had said $5 million. That's mm. why... That's that's why that popped into my head. Um, but, you know, at that point, if it's if you have three million dollars, if you have five million dollars, that's still more million dollars than we'll ever yeah. have. OK, it's it's way more millions than we'll have. Yeah. Whatever and million it is, that's whatever millions. million it is, it's a million more than we've ever worked with. Yeah. And so when I, I see that, I'm just like, shit, like this is what five million dollars gets you. Yeah. This is what three million dollars get. How is that possible? Going into the film, I look at the film. Now, granted, you do effects. Okay, so we're saving a massive amount of money there because you would be able to do the effects for that. Yeah. But that movie, if you're giving... Okay, we may not be able to get the same types of shots because they have cranes and all that stuff, and I understand that. And our lighting at night would probably not be as good because we don't have as we don't have great equipment. But let, let's, let's, just, let's just put it this way. Let's just say somebody said, we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars to remake that movie i think we could do that i don't know about a hundred thousand but that was all like the locations and the the light light no no no. we're giving you access to that stuff oh but you you don't have cranes we're not sending this off to uh you know off to another house for for effects and all that stuff you can't shop houses for it you you have to do the graphics and the effects for it okay fine you're going to have this house. Here's the budget. That's the thing. I don't know what the budget for the house. And I understand that that's all, you know, mm-hmm. but um, we're not giving you a casting crew of 50. Right. You have to do this with 10 people and a hundred thousand dollars. I think we can do it. Okay. Did you hear that HBO? <laughs> but even if they said we're giving you $500,000, that's way less hundred thousand dollars than three or $5 million. Yeah. But again, it's like, you so, know, 
that's for example there's one scene they have this is where the itemized thing would be fun for me because i'm like i want to know where that went because i'm looking at the house and i'm like okay maybe not the same exact location but it's like if you're giving me a hundred thousand dollars right for sure i can kick somebody out of their house for a couple of days with like five grand right right. who you you, your mother-in-law she lives down the block go stay with her okay Go live with your fucking in-laws. I'm gonna give you five grand. I need your house for two weeks. <laughs> okay, yeah. done, done right there. But it's like they're they're getting. So, oh well, it has to be an abandoned area. So now, I, I don't even know because we don't have the itemized bill, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna guarantee that they paid more than five thousand dollars for that house, right? Yeah. They paid an, an obscene amount of money for that house. Where it's like, this is what I'm saying. If the challenge is like, look, here's a hundred thousand. I was like. We need you to make a very similar movie. So you're going to need the house to look pretty empty. It looks like they live in it. Because you can tell it it was set. You know, there wasn't enough on the walls. Mm. There was It didn't look lived in at all. It looked very much like a set. So it's like, I think that it would have benefited to be somebody's house because it would have looked lived in. Yeah. That was one of my issues with that house was like, yes, it did work in the, the style that it was, but mm. it looked like a set. Yeah. And it didn't look real. Yeah. Um, you know, well, the pool, like, like that's yeah. another thing. Like, you know, there's a we there's abandoned pools upstate, you know, if we could say to the state, like, look, we need to film here. Here's ten thousand dollars, right? We need yeah. to film this scene, big scene, ba 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 ba. Um, you know, the the office that she's in. Like there was to me, there was nothing extraordinary about the set that I could grasp where all that money went. Well, I guess. like there was this one so like, for example, there's this one towards the end of the film, there's this one scene where they're like outside at some kind of like farmer's market or something. I don't remember what it was. But oh, right. they had like this big, huge crane, uh, big, huge. It wasn't a crane, but it was Which like. Which didn't look, it looked like a set. It, it was, was, it was a, it was this big, it was this weird machine mm-hmm. that like had these big wheels. It's like they use it for construction, but it had like this big, you know, sun diffuser on it. And it's like the cost of that alone versus yeah. just putting it on some, some big C stands and you know I, I don't know like it's just get, stuff like get that. Get five like, people to hold that up. Yeah, I don't. I <laughs> what don't... are you doing today? I'll I'll feed you and give you fifty bucks. Hold this up. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, like like how how all salmon. That works. Yeah. <laughs> so you know I don't know. I I don't know. Like that's why I I really want to see. I'd love to see like how. But how okay, a so million dollar or five million dollar jumping off of down. that scene, we go into like the effects of explosions. Like, what did that really do to the scene? It didn't, I guess that that's the part of the, the script, right? Where you go like, how long is this going to take? How much is this going to cost? Because now we have to have a professional that comes on here to explode this glass and all this other shit. What is it doing? Like when we watched the hubbub of making that scene and then watched the scene, it was like a second. Yeah. And I was like, that was way too much work. Way too much money got blood out that day for that one effect that didn't really look that great it did what did it do it was like oh the thing exploded well originally they wanted them in the shot and i'm I'm trying to think like what 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 would that have done differently i guess i don't know Uh, the the first of all the whole thing just looked okay so i think it was like a mexican food truck or something that was there whatever Mm -hmm. you can't just have horchata sitting out in the sun like that and it right (laughs) so these juices there was no ice or anything around them it was just Again, it looked very intentional. It was like, here, let's put the, the this party, party have balloon. That's how it felt. Like, oh, we'll put these jugs here and there'll be like a flag. It's like, all right, but this doesn't look real. It uh, clearly looks like you just slapped this into the side of the road over here and made the set. And so mm-hmm. there was nothing genuine about that. And that was just kind of was like, 
I just remembered that scene when they had to explode the thing. And then when we actually saw it in the movie, it was like, I don't even see how that was necessary. And, and I'm trying to think of everybody that was on set that day, all the money that was spent doing that. And then this is what you got for it. Yeah which was not much. Yeah. Um, the most relatable scene is the scene of uh, when they're running out of light. <laughs> yeah. Boy, have we been there. And it was kind of, it's it's great to see that happen on bigger sets, right? Because we're like, all right, it's not just us. <laughs> we're like, yeah. we're fucking running out of light. <laughs> you know? yeah. It happens so quick. Yeah. Because um, there's no amount of money that can stop there's that. There's no amount of money that can stop the sun. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's true. Um, so that was kind of cool when you would see the scene. You're like, oh, that's the scene. That's yeah. the scene, you know, and that that was kind of nice. I think overall, I see where they were going with the story, mm-hmm. but it just, I don't know. It just didn't hit. It seemed really. I will say this, though. A lot of the things, it, again, you know, I realize it's the editing thing, but a lot of the, the a lot of the. <laughs> As much as I was rooting for for Miko and 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 I feel like she did her best and I do feel like I haven't seen a lot of her past films but mm-hmm. this is definitely her best film like you know visually and 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 whatever um, I I and not to say that our other films are cr- trash but if I made if I was in this position and that's the film that came out of it I'd be happy about oh, it 100%. I feel like you know I th- I feel like it looked really good I feel like the performances were were, were decent and so like. I, I um no my issue is with the story that's yeah, what I'm saying so that's, that's it just the... didn't like I see the direction they were going in but I just thought that this was the problem from the beginning you handed her an unfinished script an unpolished script and then we're like here go make that and so it's like yeah this is the story I would have loved to have seen what she would have made if she'd had right her way if and enough just, time you have to make a movie about x y and z and then go yeah then, or uh, given uh, her a better script like i'm sorry no shade to that writer i don't know how much of what he wrote we saw but it wasn't great my understanding is that he didn't have a lot of time to write it so they kind of just brought him on to write the script and then hand it to her um but i don't know if that's true so i didn't i don't say, know but, like um, if that's the case if they didn't give him a, then then everyone got the shaft at that point because it's yeah. like this but it's interesting to just, see, like, when we watch a movie and we're like, oh, that movie wasn't, we didn't really work for us. All of this stuff happened behind the yes. scenes, you know? And so yes. I do feel like, I will say that I do feel like it, everybody involved, producers and stuff, seem to, at least, but, and I, you know, I, I don't see why not because that is their job, but they seem to just want what's best for the film and they mm-hmm. wanted them to, they wanted it to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was kind of doomed from the start because. Yes. This, this the story and the script wasn't done or completed or all the way there yet, and so that just goes to show how everything else falls apart. And it's writer kind of strikes, like, Hi. ironic, yeah. That, that <laughs> hello, strike. but but I will say that like I found myself once I saw the film, I found myself like completely understanding all of the things that the producers were talking about, like mm-hmm. the mother daughter relationship and yes. building world building stuff yes. and this and that. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, you th- you were right on all that stuff, but that. But to your point, it should have been figured out before it was handed handed yeah. to the director, you know, or or they had valid points, but then they also didn't give the time or the resources to actually remedy those right. issues that we know of. You know, there was a thing about like, well, she, I, we know she had at least two weeks to work on it, 
And we don't know what else she had to do in those two weeks either. It's not like she was just solely doing the script. Okay, thing. but so there were there were two things. So my 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 one critique, um, my one massive critique critique for her, uh, towards her rather, was to me this. Okay, so they gave them ten weeks for an edit for a director's cut. Yeah, that's a lifetime as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, if if you don't have other jobs, right? You got in the gray edited in like a month with a full-time day job. Yeah. Some, I think I took a week off or something. Maybe. You might have. But remember. you got it done and it wasn't 10 weeks. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It wasn't also and wasn't so, a feature. And so it wasn't a feature. No, I understand that. But I'm just saying like if you're able to edit 15 minutes in a month with three of those weeks having a full-time job so you're just doing well, this in between yeah, I, 10 weeks is a long time when you have because she's not editing it she has an editor so you're sitting down with the editor right this person's they're doing all the clickies right mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're sitting here working together you're getting the editor's cut and they're doing the thing and and, and i'm assuming hbo is paying this person to work on this a lot right and that's yeah. like, there's your 10 weeks and they sometimes want, you know, they. Uh, she was saying that they may want you to cut that, don't compromise, blah, blah, blah. We have 10 weeks. That's a lifetime for me. And for her to, like, go on vacation and almost potentially catch COVID. Yeah. I was like, girl, no. <laughs> like, this, you have to live and breathe yeah. this. That is what it takes to be in this business. F whether that's fair or not, whether it's yeah. healthy or not, that's a whole other argument. But you're in this now. And I think that was like the second vacation that she had taken. Like, I signed up for this. I understand that I'm not going to have a life until this airs. Over, yeah. and I'm okay, be until this is screening. That's kind of the, I don't have the way a life. that it works. Is like you, when you're filming, it's your life is just that, and you're doing nothing else. Yeah, and, and then we when don't. You're not, we you're don't not. have 50 people helping us. Right. We're doing everything, and we're living and breathing this. Now to go back to. That was the one thing for me that I was like, okay, you got to stop with the vacations and the breaks. Like, there's no time for breaks. <laughs> this yeah. is not the business yeah, for breaks. And, and the, one of the mentors called her out on that too. Yeah, it, you you got to like you, gotta you gotta have to, you have to live in this. That's just what it takes. Um, but going back into the story, somebody says to me, "Here's a feature. Here's the concept for the feature. I need you to have this tip top in two weeks. You have nothing else to do. That would still be difficult." In her case, I don't think we could see that there wasn't there's nothing else to do. There was still stuff. She yeah. still had to go and location scout and do all that shit yeah. in at the same time. Yeah. I write something just the other day. I'm in the process of writing a short now. I wrote the storyline for it. I you know, I block everything out and then I started this this one scene. I went back to that scene five days later and rewrote it. Mm -hmm. Two weeks to perfect a script, a feature no less, is not a long time. It's very, very little time. Yeah. The 10 week, you're giving somebody more time to edit that than you are to write it. Yeah. Let's think about that for a second. Yeah. You're giving an editor where everything, there's there's nothing to compromise because you can only work with the scenes that you have, right? A, a, a concept as a writer is endless. You can go in 5,000 different directions with a story. As an editor, Yes, you, you obviously you can edit you can edit something to look a completely different way. You add music, you've made a different movie, yeah. right? There's 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 that, but you can't change the footage. Yeah, that's all you have. Yeah. So if somebody's saying here's your here's your challenge as a writer, this character can only do this, this can only do this, this can only do, only do this. All right, well then there's only ten avenues that I can go down. That shortens it. But to just be like, here's a story, go write something, make it work. <laughs> yeah. And then 
let's have two people do that together. Well, two people think of things differently. So now you've just complicated this even more for me because they'll go, all right, now we're going to bring on some script advisors. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to think of something. And they did because their suggestion to her, she hated. She didn't want that boy character in there. And, yeah. you know, she didn't like that. And so it's just like, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand. That's like my number one gripe with this was the script that you brought her in to make this film and you knew that this story was nowhere near where it needed to be and that the script was nowhere where it needed to be. And you're giving a very and, short and amount again, of time. We, we know to zero that. context of it, right? Like Issa Rae's company and the other company, like, you know, where what was the context in which did did HBO just go to a writer and say, You have two weeks to write a sci fi thing about a girl and a whatever and blah blah blah. And then he writes it as best he can in two weeks because that's not a lot of time to write anything. And then those companies get this. You know what I mean? I, we don't know out of context. And now, ta- having talked through this with you, I, now I wonder like if HBO felt the movie was bad and then wanted to paint her in a bad light and say like, well, it, you know. That's what I'm saying. You know. That's what I'm saying because so there's I no way they don't they didn't know that that yeah. wasn't ready. I don't feel like, but I do feel like I do feel like just from what I watched that. Issa Rae's company and the other company and and Miko all had the best intentions, hundred percent. Absolutely, you know. And but I feel like they were all it was all doomed from the start because yeah. of a bad script, and it just goes to show. I had made a comment on Twitter, which um, one of the producers, I think Yolanda, I think her name was, had actually responded <laughs> to because I said um, that was one of the one I couldn't remember. See, yeah. so she was the uh, that were a little bit older. The, yeah, that, yeah, that and those two I had. Put in there that I'm watching Project Greenlight. It's funny how everyone's harping on the script and nobody wants to pay writers anything, mm-hmm. you know, to which she responded that like the writers were paid well and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's not I didn't want it to get conflated that I was saying that their writers this situation. I was just pointing out the irony of the situation of of how important a script is. It's so important that these studios are running around like crazy trying to get the script in a good mm-hmm. state. But then there's also studios that are like, fuck you, writers, you know, yeah, so like. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I thought that her so the the. I'm sorry to keep. I do saying hope there's it. another season, and I and I I do feel like yeah, yeah we'll I watch feel the, like we'll watch and bitch about all that. It's tricky because it's like you want drama and you want to see the fish out of water. That's why we watch it. We want to see somebody thrown mm-hmm. into this situation, but we do want to see them succeed. And I feel like maybe that's not as fun. You know, maybe it's boring to see someone do this well. Hence, the, you know yeah, I mean? that's that's what I felt. I felt like they're their drama was it like their money was still on the line right so they they couldn't fuck around with it too hard but they still created that drama by setting her up and setting everybody up and also you know i don't i don't know if like the the two representatives of hooray were maybe not as bitchy as they came off but that was kind of how they were edited you know it was like every time they were on camera they seemed to be complaining about something and didn't really have a very, it, it was like very clicky, it seemed like between the two of those girls. And they was like this side against that side versus like, we're supposed to be working together. And then when I look at the the the, the two older women, they seem to be more kind of supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was like the approach I thought was really weird. So like from Hooray's aspect, again, it was very vague. They weren't really, they didn't seem to, Again, on camera, they didn't seem to really lay down the law and say what they needed and prepare her for what was coming. And so then when she didn't give them what they didn't explain that they wanted, there was like more attitude to be had. There was a lot of negativity, it seemed, coming from their side of it. Also, I think it's really unfair that like 
the face of this show becomes the hosts that are never there. Yeah. Like Issa that was Rae, the, that was, she would pop in, but it was like, where Cornell, are you? Like, like, yeah, like you're never here. You have these two people representing your side, but you're never here. And then you're like the the face of the show and the host on the posters and everything. And it's like, where are these two people? Like, it was the same with Matt Damon and Ben yeah. Affleck. Ben Affleck. It's or like the, you're not the really director, here. They had brought on a director mentor that she the was there King. a little bit more, she but she was in the bit. middle of editing. But it's like King, her, so it's her like, thing too was she's like, listen, you got to fight for what you want. You got to do this, and it's like I am, but they're not letting me. So it's like right, and I'm also can, not you. And, you're, and then she's it, already at that yeah. level where you know you're working with Viola Davis, so I'm sure you're going to be able to. To, yeah. you have a, a lot more pull than I'm yeah. going to have. And it's kind of like, you're telling me to fight for what I want and I'm fighting for what I want and it's making me A, look bad and now these people think I'm you know difficult and mm -hmm. and stuff and it's like and i get that like you kind of have the squeaky wheel gets the grease as they say but it's it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's it does you know the squeaky wheel gets the worm it's the grease that's that's the expression that's right the early bird gets the wheel <laughs> <laughs> um so there i get that part of it <laughs> but uh it's 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 a tricky balance, especially especially if you're a woman. Well, see, that's the thing is, I I get the contradiction right where it's like, here you should fight for this, and it's like, well, that's kind of easy for you to say because you're you know you've gone through this already, and they're going to listen to you more than they're going to listen to me. You're going to get more than I'm going to get. I but I get what she was trying to say, which was like, you know, if you if you plus real it, quick, you're you know, in her situation, she was fighting for a film that she had a lot of say in and it was like her film where she'd asking her to fight for a film that she has no that she in. right that's yeah. what i'm saying but yeah. but what she was trying to do from my perception of it was she didn't want her to lay herself down as a mat in the beginning because it's like if you do this now then you're never going to be able to stand up because they're going to know that they can walk all over you so i get that but as I said before, there's the illusion of what you have and then there's the reality of what you can be part of. And uh, if that were me, I would already know going in, like I would look, at, okay, this is the actor that I want. Well, this is the one we want. All right. What, what do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm telling you this is who I want. I don't understand why I have to write a thesis on why I want, I said it with my mouth. You see my face here with the words that came out of the hole in my face? I said I wanted this person. What more do you want from me? I'm not like, why are we petitioning this now? Like, yeah. if you ask me who I want and I tell you and you go, well, we don't want that person. Well, I guess I lost, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what are we doing here? Because now we're going to spend three days going back and forth. And then ultimately, you're going to get your way because you're paying for this. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then with it being recorded, that's the best part of it being documented so that I can go, hi, camera crew. How you doing? This is who I wanted. Yeah. OK. End of story. So now if that person doesn't deliver, not my fucking problem. Yeah. This is who HBO wanted. Yeah. So that's who they got. <laughs> so, so there we go. And to be um, fair, she was a good actor, you know. Like, yeah, she was a good actor. But but to but to tell the director to to give this false. Yeah. Uh sense of this false sense of power yeah that you, that you don't actually have as an unknown director you know i would just assume, like i said i would just assume i had no fucking power i would give my opinion but i'd be like look who am i yeah i have i can't pull my weight on, on anybody here yet that's that's the whole point of my being here right so that i can get through this get this done get my foot in the door and then maybe have a little bit more say in the next one and then even more say in the next one after that and that's yeah. kind of where you know you build from it but that was what i meant 
when I said that I wouldn't have put my heart, my artistic heart into this because it's not my story. I didn't write this concept as a writer director. I'm jumping off of somebody else's idea that's not even finished. And I already know how the studio works. So it's just like, all right, let's do this. What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's do that. Um, although I, I 100% would want to have a say. Yeah. It would be killing me, but I'd, I'd have to shelf that because like, then yeah. you just come off. They're just going to edit you that way. Yeah. You see what they do. Mm-hmm. If you argue anything, if you don't act in the way they want you to act, they're going to edit you the way they want. I mean, you could probably do everything that you should do and still come out looking like a fucking asshole yeah. because, you know, but it, it, that's, it's, that's it's, what it's, it says a money. lot when like, I mean, the whole show, I think is tricky. There hasn't been a director that won the show that has gone on to that. I know of anyway, mm. that has gone on to like continue. Project Greenlight is like the American idol of film. It's like comparatively. So you got like Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. He's like the most famous person to come off of that show. And I don't think anybody's really jumped off the way she has. Like that was yeah. kind of it. It's like uh, um, The Voice. That's what Project Greenlight is. I do I do watch some reality trash TV and The Voice is one of them. I watch the show knowing that all of this stuff is already chosen. You really don't have mm-hmm. a say. They already know who's going to win the show. It's yeah. all set up. That's how that shit works. But, you know, it's this thing. It's like this the, the illusion of like, oh, we're going to make you famous. No, you're not. <laughs> I know you're not. I'm here for ratings mm-hmm. for a show. And that's not to take away from the talent that they all possess, nope. obviously. Nope. But because there's yeah. plenty of people that don't make it through that I'm like, how did that person not even win the show? How did this person win and the other person didn't? Well, they're more marketable for this twelve yeah. weeks that we had this show going, that person was more marketable and that's why they won the show. Yeah. Not because they were the most talented. It's all you know, it's all it's it's a it's it's trickery you know that's what it is their money is to be made that is going to take precedence over everything else i hope i think that there's a little bit more there's more of that leeway because yeah you can go on the voice and not make it but you can make it as an indie artist because you have enough of a a following from the show and then you can make it as an indie artist but you're not going to be like on the grammys yeah you know and that's i'm i look i i hope miko becomes huge but i think Best case scenario, which is still great, is that she will have a good career on an indie level. And I think, honestly, for her sanity and happiness, that's where she should be. I don't think that she's going to be happy on well, 20 or $30 million sets if this is, is how, yeah. you know, everything is, everything uh, transpired la- the landscape, with her. You know, this is a whole other topic, but the landscape is kind of changing, right? Because what is... What is being successful as a director anymore? It's subjective. You know? And well, there's that, but it's like, you know, what is, you look at what's popular in movie theaters, it's big budget stuff, right? And and those people that film the big budget stuff are, it that is 100% of business. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're filming anything that has to do with, you know, anything Disney makes, you know, mm-hmm. Star Wars or Marvel or whatever. And then you have like... Nolan, all that stuff is a business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even Nolan and like... Um, and like, uh, uh, you know, Mission Impossible and all that stuff. Those, those are all businesses and, and their films are made. There is some, you know, it is a film. So there is some creativity that has to be involved to engage viewers and blah, blah, blah. But it's all about return on investment, especially now when the business is down, everything's about getting return about on investment and that sort of stuff. So yeah. someone like Miko who wants to make good films and powerful films, that's theater isn't really the platform for that anymore. No. That's all streaming now. And so... Those films are all going to to be on Netflix and, and stuff. That's where the 
the good stories are being told. Well, sadly, I, I believe they should I, be in the theater as well. I, I think that, you know, it's it's a good watch, but you do have to watch it and sort of take everything with a grain of salt because you don't know what's actually going on. And, you know, what we're being fed and what we're being shown, you can guarantee is a portion of the truth. And, uh, you know, you can also ask one person on one side how that went and they're going to have a completely yeah. different answer from the other side. Her experience was not the same as the people from Hooray, right? They're going to say, well, we felt this, uh, yeah. it's going to go back and forth. Um, welcome to life, I guess, you know. But as an audience, that was just our perception of the show was I just felt like, I could see the production's side. I understood both sides. 100%. I understood the importance and the urgency in a lot of things. I understood having to let certain things go because of this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Totally understand that. But I felt like they really dropped the ball uh, on preparing her to succeed. I don't think that they set her up for success. But I, think I think they set her. They they. They, it wasn't set up like in a in a malicious way, but I think that they kind of no, they leaned they malicious. leaned too heavily into just letting the show exist. Like let's just see what happens, and it's like or not because if you want this person to succeed and the goal is for them to succeed, then do that. Treat them like you would any other director that has four or five times the budget that you're giving her because if it's about the film and it's about the art then let it be that i think they set her up in that they focused too much on the business side of it and not on the filmmaking side of it mm -hmm. and she was coming in with way too little experience to actually be able to roll into those waves properly. Yeah. And she just kind of, she was drowning a lot of the time. And they were like throwing her a life raft 50 feet from where she was. Like, here it is. And it's like, okay, yeah. but I can't reach that. You know, yeah, you laid it down, but not in a way that's actually helping me. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I feel like, that's what I feel like when I watched, I don't remember it well, but I feel like remembering, I feel like when I watched the the chair, that one to me felt more like, what this should be yes you know they did pick like this youtube guy to make a film or whatever yeah, which was, was kind of like whatever but the female that they picked for that um and, and they let her kind of do her thing and they were a little bit more hands off with with that and letting the process go i felt like i can understand how that's not like going to be palatable for just everybody because Robert was, Rodriguez's show too also yeah his was, show as well I thought as was well pretty cool I loved the, his show with I wish he did that again thing, I hope but, he does that again we had some people from it on but um yeah, because I would submit. <laughs> I would love would... to go on. I, I would uh, love but to go like on that. you know, I just felt like I get that just watching someone make a film is not palatable for your, your mm -hmm. everyday viewer. You're not going to make a whole show. Often you have to see them fail. But it, ultimately, it's a hero's journey, right? You want to see them like stumble and and have trouble and, and struggle, but then you want to see them come out successful at the end. That's what everybody wants to see. But it's tough because when you it's this isn't a there's no room for that in this the right. way that these things are are structured right like once you start tripping and falling at the beginning like you'll never catch up right. and so i don't think that that structure works within the confines of making a film unless you're giving leeway to do that you know you're giving also, it the person what, is it just me or like i felt like the face of hbo came in way too late like why weren't they there in the beginning like hi yeah. welcome here's what we're doing so excited you're here but maybe they did but i don't understand why they wouldn't air that i guess it yeah. doesn't make sense it's like they came in later when they had the first table read 
and they were like, we have issues. And it's like, well, where the fuck you have you been? We didn't see you. Like, we didn't see you until now. Like, where yeah. have you been? You know, why weren't you here in the beginning of this process? Like, yeah. you should, this is your show. She's your show. You should want her to succeed. Yeah. And look, ultimately, I think you're going to have a couple of stragglers that watch this show, but 90% of the people that watch this are filmmakers. Yeah. So it's not like you're expecting to get, this isn't Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not getting those types of ratings. So why it's indie. It's very indie. So why not just do your best to yeah. make sure that this is something that a viewer would say, hey, you know what? That's a great show for filmmakers. Mm -hmm. This didn't come off to me as a great place to go as an independent filmmaker. Yeah. It seemed like a clusterfuck. Yeah. I'd fucking do it anyway. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Because I know what to expect. But it just seemed like a a, a really unfair representation yeah. uh, of of being new in in, yeah. in that it, world it and it definitely doesn't make the business look anymore no it did know, not help at um, all just saying guys uh maybe not so much with that um anyway so uh next week we're probably going to talk about oppenheimer um i don't know if we're going to squeeze the gray house into that i could almost i could give gray house its own episode honestly mm -hmm. but um we we may we may do a twofer also at some point we do need to go back into uh the strikes yeah. Um, some interesting things going on there uh, that I did want to discuss, but we're already at like two hours for this episode. So we'll spare you if you're still around. Thank you. Um, shout out. Shout outs to MoGraph. To MoGraph. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be a, a kind of, uh, a, this is going to be a tricky couple of months, a season, I should say. The fall is going to be tricky because hopefully we will be inundated with film festivals that we've yeah. made it into. Fingers crossed. Um, you know, you have to expect to not make it into a bunch. But um, that's why we submit to so many. And um, we did make it into one that we can't announce yet. So we'll talk about it when mm -hmm. we can announce it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so shows are, I, I have guests that are locked in and, you know, sometimes. So for instance, this week we were supposed to have a guest, um, but he had an engagement that popped up. So we had to move it to the end of August. So uh, we'll be talking to that DP hopefully at the end of August. Um, we have other guests that are going to be coming on mm -hmm. that 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 we've had scheduled. And, you know, obviously now with the film festival, it's going to be a little bit rough. So we have to kind of move our recording schedule around to accommodate for those weekends. But we thank you. Yes. We thank you for joining us. And, um, you know, come back, hopefully. Yeah. Bye. Bye.